Warning! This episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that did make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisniaks. Listeners, I am super excited today to welcome one of my writing friends who uh, I was thinking back. I don't think we've seen each other in person since Worldcon in 2018. That's right. Yep, that that sounds about right. Uh, Joe Miles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I have been tracking your trilogy since it was in, uh, uh, since you were in the Query Mines, and somehow just never thought, like, hey, I should get Joe on the show for, like, book one. (laughs) But uh, here we are talking about Ravenous State today. Yes. uh, Ravenous State is the third book in the trilogy, so it's all complete if you're one of those people who likes to read series in quick succession or likes to know that they're all out um, before you get started, this one is safe to dive into now. Nice. Yeah, I I love when I discover a trilogy or or get into a trilogy uh, when it's already all the way out, but I also, um, a, a few years ago, a number of years ago now, who knows, time is fake, uh, went into Barnes & Noble with the express intent of buying a spaceship book and uh, bought Ancillary Justice, which that whole trilogy was already out, uh, but then like right next to it on the shelf was this brand new book, Nine Fox Gambit, and luckily... Luckily, the trilogy did finish because, uh, ooh, what a ride. Yeah, yeah, that would be a tough one to stop in the middle. Uh, my version of that is, oh, it must have been well, many years ago now, but for Christmas, my brother got me this book that I hadn't heard of before called Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Of which at the time, I think there were three books out, or maybe the third was about to come out. I had some feelings. Oh, no. I didn't realize how much, uh, how long, I didn't even realize for a long time how long I would have to wait. Yeah. Um, But that was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cries in Brandon Sanderson fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So we've already said this is the third book in the trilogy. Is there anything that we need to know before we get into this reading? Yeah, so I'm going to read from very early in the book. The main character, Libby, is the youngest of three siblings, and each book in the trilogy is a different sibling's story. So this is her story. Um, She and her siblings all have um, what are called gifts in the story, which are kind of small psychic abilities that are kept secret because they do not want the corporation that Mm -hmm. uh, 
accidentally without realizing it gave them these abilities they don't want anybody oh. to find out that this is a thing that has happened because yeah. um, no one wants to be a lab rat Pro probably um, a good idea <laughs> so leading into this scene um Libby has been working at the family store and has just been commiserating with her friend and one of her suppliers that the business is picking up very, very slowly after they had to be closed for a while. So that is, that's where she's at. It's a quiet day at the store. Fabulous. All right. Ready when you are. It was no one Libby knew, but instead of heading for the aisles, the newcomer strode up to the counter. Fritter, the usually sedate calico who'd been snoozing under the counter, startled awake and made a furtive run for the back of the store. <laughs> Libby caught a flash of the cat's yearning for her favorite hiding place above the shelves in the storage room. Then the visitor had her attention. <laughs> Hello, I'm looking for Liberation Wilder. I believe she works for this establishment. <laughs> His gaze skated over the store, the decor of kitschy old-fashioned promotional posters and local kids' art including some childhood efforts of herself and her siblings. The new shelving, a third of the space still empty, made from deliberately mismatched, repurposed building materials. Fresh, brightly colored red and blue paint with splashes of yellow covering the walls. All quintessentially Brenexian, honoring how the founders had built their homes out of whatever was on hand and decorated with bright colors to add cheer to those difficult early days. Libby didn't like the curl of the man's lips as he studied her family's accomplishments. Was he here with some kind of business offer? This store belongs to the Wilder family, specifically my parents. How can I help you? The stranger gave the slightest of frowns. Your liberation? You don't look like I expected. Oh, do you know my family? She tried not to reflect his rudeness in her own voice. Only by reputation, I'm afraid. He must have expected her to look like Kay and Jasper, who took after Ma and the Narayan side of the family, with deeper brown skin and wavy black hair. Libby's red-brown curls came from Pa's side. Her siblings wouldn't have called her liberation, though. Her parents did, but only because she couldn't make them stop. <laughs> Everyone calls me Libby, she continued. And you are... I'm conducting a study, and I believe you would be an ideal participant. I'd welcome your friends as well, if they're interested. He nodded to Mixon, who'd come out from the storeroom and lurked down an aisle, watching as if he were a fascinating but potentially poisonous alien bug. <laughs> You'll be well compensated for your time. Libby needed money from paying customers, not one-off gigs. Who gave you my name, she said, as Mixon asked. What's this study about? Hmm. Ah, yes, I'm researching the effects of being raised in a domed environment on the physiological and mental well-being of younger adults. The first stage is simply a screener questionnaire. For those who meet the criteria, I'll take bioscans and conduct some tests, nothing invasive, and you will be compensated. So you said, Lucas brow furrowed as she studied him. Something wasn't quite right about the man. He was tidy, clean-shaven, dressed in loose synthetics like any of a hundred other off-world travelers who, in better times, came through while their supply while their ship was in port. Light-skinned, short-haired, Honestly, pretty generic looking, except for the shiny new headset he wore. From the precise way he spoke, she could believe he was a scientist, but there was a sliminess to him, like the way mm. he slipped out of answering her questions. She just didn't like him. Out of nowhere, her gift flared up. 
Nothing changed in the stranger's face, but she got a sudden wave of wanting from him, a greed aimed at her. But for what? Nothing she could conceptualize clearly, which usually meant it was an abstract want. Her gift was a frustration to her, murky and unreliable compared to the gifts of her sibs and friends. It worked best on food. If she'd worked in a tea shop or restaurant, she could dazzle customers by recommending exactly what they didn't know they wanted. Hmm. Sometimes in the store, she could tell what a customer was looking for if they had a strong feeling about it. Not new pipe insulation or size seven flat top screws, but wants closer to the heart, like a warm blanket or a replacement for a favorite tool. She could tell if someone had a creepy sexual interest in her or her friends. More rarely, she could pick out immaterial wants, like a hug or wish to escape a deathly dull conversation. <laughs> it wasn't consistent, though, and none of those fit the slimy stranger. His want felt more possessive, not sexual, thank the founders, but more like ambition, enthusiasm for his research. Her gift faded before she could decide. She shot a glance at Mixon, who shook their heads slightly to say they didn't like this either. Their mm. gift didn't help them read people, but Mix's regular old gut feelings seemed to agree with Libby's about this guy. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm afraid I can't help you, she told the stranger, as if telling a customer the model of wrench they needed was out of stock. He took a half step forward, leaning in. It's important. Just a small amount of your time. For science. Don't have much of that to spare. Running a store is hard work. Mm. Oh, you seem to have quite the bustling business here. He glanced meaningfully around the empty store. You can't think that selling people screwdrivers is more important than expanding scientific knowledge. Libby bristled, like Fritter when another cat wandered past the window. She might have let him post his info on their request and trade board, but now she changed her mind. As this is a place of business, if you aren't looking to buy something, I have to ask you to leave. I'm trying to buy your cooperation, he huffed, mm. for a very good cause, one that will make the universe measurably better if I'm successful. Measurably better? Universe? From studying domed habitation? This guy had quite the high opinion of himself. <laughs> I wish you luck. I'm still not interested. He opened his mouth to argue more, but Mixon spoke up. Keep telling my friend she's stupid. I'm new here, so I've never gotten to physically throw someone out before. <laughs> Wisely, he seemed to decide on a tactical retreat. What about your sister, Kay? Perhaps she'll be more reasonable. Is she around? No. When will she be back? She doesn't live here anymore, Libby said. Please go recruit somewhere else. He'd started to turn away when Mixon asked, Hey, got an info card? In case we get enlightened about how great science is and change our minds. Mix, Libby hissed, getting so close to getting rid of him. The look he gave Mixon cut like a utility knife, short but stabby. He tapped a command to his headset and fired a data packet to Mixon. The location of my office is there. Share it with your friends. All participants will be generously compensated. Mm. Marched out the door, and the tension between Libby's shoulders let go. Mixon was right. She felt disappointed not to have to literally throw him out. <laughs> oh, well. He might be back, founders forbid. Wow, what a waste of oxygen, that one, huh? Said Mag's ship, who was standing behind Mixon, arms folded in disapproval. Crap, sorry, Miss Mags, Mixon said. I didn't mean to abandon you. Libs, I came to ask you a question about the order, and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Mags waved off the apology. 
Libby was sure that Mixon had noticed the conversation, found it interesting or alarming or both, and made up the urgent question as an excuse to eavesdrop. She was glad to have the backup. Why do you ask for his info? She asked Mixon. Then, as Mix woke their handheld, wait, check it for bugs. It's clean. Mixon projected the file in the air. It was a tiny thing, just a name. Dr. Derek Spark, which sounded like something out of a bad spy serial, and an address she didn't recognize. Don't tell me you're thinking of taking his offer, Libby said. Oh, absolutely not. I just wonder what sort of con he's running. You don't think he's really a scientist? Libby frowned. You sound like my brother. You're no fun, Mixon <laughs> said dramatically. Though he'd make a great mad scientist, wouldn't he? There's no need to go inventing trouble, kiddo, Mag's ship's voice took on a hard edge. He's probably just your everyday asshole, and that's trouble enough. <laughs> I'd steer clear of him if I were you. Mag's headed back to finish unloading the delivery. As Libby and Mixon followed, Mixon said under their breath, Wouldn't he, though? He certainly would. Libby laughed, and more of her uneasiness drained away. She loved Mixon dearly, but they were always looking for life to be more like a serial, all drama and adventure. It didn't seem right, Mixon liked to say, to be born with literal powers and not use them for anything interesting. <laughs> but seriously, Mix went on, I wonder how many other people he's pestering. Maybe we should warn folks. Libby shrugged. As much as I hate to admit it, considering what an asshole he is, he's probably harmless. I wouldn't help him, but if someone really needs the money... It occurred to Libby that there was one person she should ask about, Dr. Spark. Whoever he was, Spark knew someone in her family by reputation and had dropped Kay's name. Maybe Kay would know his. Mm -hmm. Certainly, she'd want to know if someone was asking about her. And unlike Mixon, or worse, her brother Jasper... Kay wouldn't jump straight to conspiracy theories. <laughs> Probably not, anyway. She kept the note casual, just in case. Hey, sis, quick question. Does the name Derek Spark mean anything to you? Client of yours or something? Guy asked after you at the store today. Was wondering if you know him or if he's just a weirdo. <laughs> she read it over, wondering if she should mention Spark's study or how obnoxious he'd been. She still felt annoyed thinking about him. But then a group of customers came in, real customers, who needed help finding an obscure piece of hardware. She hastily sent the note before she could forget. Mm. Oh. Oh. I want to read this book. Yes, please. Oh, that was delightful. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Gosh. The... the the call to adventure uh, is is you know, we we all uh, refuse the call sometimes. <laughs> um, so you know this is of course tales from the trunk. So I I have to ask first of all, uh, and since this is uh, the third book in a trilogy. Uh, I think we we can extend this out to the full trilogy. Are there any things that just for whatever reason didn't make it into this book, into the series that you're just really sad about still? Yeah, so the tough thing with this book was I was writing the youngest sibling in the family and the two older siblings had spent two books with them already and mm -hmm. 
each, all three of them make appearances kind of throughout the trilogy, but each one, the first two are really focused on Jasper and Kay, the older siblings. And mm -hmm. so when it came time to write this book where Jasper and Kay are actually going to spend much more time around and present and involved in this story, um, it was very tempting to write a lot of scenes in their point of view and mm -hmm. to the point where um, it's funny because Libby is the youngest child and not taken seriously and very frustrated with that and her siblings were coming in and stealing the mm -hmm. show from her in her own book and so <laughs> i had to dial back um and in fact eliminated any points of view from the other two siblings i have other points of view um mix in the best friend and the partners of the two siblings are point of view characters in this book um, mm -hmm. but i had to take out the siblings themselves and had to cut a lot of it would have been interesting to explore more about what they've been doing, more about how their relationships have developed since the first two books. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll show up somewhere in extras for my newsletter or at Patreon at some point. Um, but for this book, they they had to go so that Libby could have a little more space to shine. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, it is really... Uh... I, I imagine it's, I, I tend to write, uh, like, single POV third for the most part, for the most part, or, you know, single POV first, but, like, when you're doing multiple point of view, uh, like, narration, it's, I'm sure it's gotta be, like, there's gotta be a lot of decisions that you're making in terms of who gets to be a point of view character. Who gets to and who's telling which specific scene and who's whose perspective mm -hmm. do we need? Who's got the most going on emotionally? Yeah, yeah. If multiple points of view are in the same, if multiple point of view characters are in the same scene, who has the most stakes? And mm -hmm. yeah, actually, I think the first novel I ever wrote was multi POV, and I felt very clever doing some of those like. I would, I would, each chapter was from a single point of view, and so then I would have, like, a chapter break in the middle of an action scene or something, because I wanted to jump to a different point of view, and, you know, like, you, you think you're very clever when you're writing your first novel. <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. Also tempting, I wish uh, omniscient were in style sometimes, but yeah, uh, that comes with its own slew of challenges and problems. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there is something very uh, appealing about third omniscient. Uh, yeah, now I'm now I'm just thinking about Wizard of Earthsea again. <laughs> I mean, when am I ever not thinking about Wizard of Earthsea to some extent? But like, you know, especially in in conversations about narrative and and uh, different different uh, point of view styles. Uh, so uh, now that now that we've talked a little bit about what is uh, what your sad didn't make it in, uh, I wonder if you can mention specifically for this book, but again, for the wider trilogy, if there are any points that you're just super excited for our readers to get to. 
Um, there is a character in this book who is, how much spoilers to do, one of my favorite things, and I think favorite things with the readers in this series is the sentient AIs mm-hmm. who were not in this scene, but there is a sentient spaceship who's a major character in the first two books and comes back here. Um, and there is a new sentient AI who I don't think I'll share what they are, but they are um, very much at the beginning of their journey and are fairly adorable and go by the name Squeaky. I love them already. And and that was a fun addition that I, um, one of those things I was like, where can I squeeze in other stuff? And something that could easily have gotten cut in the process, but they Mm -hmm. They're so precious, and I think it adds something having these these little extra personalities, and also some some lightness in the middle of the the darker parts of the story too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, immediately reminded of Art and Murderbot's relationship, mm-hmm. and uh, the way that their dynamic can bring lightness to. Uh, some otherwise pretty tense scenes. Yeah. Uh, Love art and Murderbot. Def- definitely an inspiration for this whole trilogy was the Murderbot series. Hell yeah. I I am in a server of 900 other people who will be very excited to hear that. <laughs> um, shouts, to the, shouts to the Murderbot fandom in general. Shouts to the Murderbot fandom Discord. Uh, I did not know. know there was such a thing. <laughs> That's awesome. There is, and uh, it, uh, we can we can talk after the show if you are interested. <laughs> um, fabulous. Well, speaking of of Murderbot, which we both love, are there any uh, any is there anything in the wider media landscape recently that you have been super enjoying? Um, so many things. It's been such a good year. I guess last year now is the year but yeah so many good books lately um one that i was especially delighted by um that seemed like it wasn't going to be my sort of thing but i always will pick up any book by alexi harrow who's Mm -hmm. just amazing um and she wrote a gothic fantasy called starling house that was dark and spooky and there were horror bits and there environmental catastrophes and there corporations going digging into people's business and causing trouble which is if you read the gifted of brennick series i love bad corporations getting what's coming to them um so starling house was not something i would have picked up from another author but it was so good and i just raced through it because she weaves together so many interesting pieces and creates such a vivid world. And I think there's like, there's actually large portions of that that are based on either real world events or even her own life. And I think where the area where she grew up, um, Mm -hmm. it's just fantastic. You almost can't tell sometimes where the fantasy starts kicking in, even though there are like, invisible marauding creatures that are nice harming people yeah it's so good that sounds fantastic uh, i will i will be adding that to my never-ending tbr the, the peril of 
of doing this show and asking this question is even more so than I think, like, writers in general are always having things added to their TBR, but, like, every, you know, twice a month they have people coming on and telling me, oh, this thing was amazing and you should check it out. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't have time to read anything. Yeah, I feel like I add books to my TBR, or even buy new books based on the TBR, like about as twice as fast as I can read them. Yeah. Over time. Yes, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, and especially like sometimes I'll have ARC homework. I mean, it's not homework, homework. I don't have to, but if I, if a publisher sends me an ARC, I want to read it. Mm-hmm. And especially like usually want to try to get it read entirely before I interview the person who the arc is from. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes easier than others. When I, when I got the arc of system collapse uh, in the, whenever late summer that was, uh, that was on site, just like barely, barely held myself back from sitting down and reading it all in one go. I was going to say, such a burden, right? It's such a terrible yeah, thing to terrible. have to do. Unbelievable. Um, uh, we've talked around the Gifted of Brennix trilogy a little bit already in terms of, uh, you know, this is book three after all. Uh, before we go, can you give our listeners a quick pitch on the full trilogy? Yeah, so this is the story of the three wilder siblings and the corporation that has uh, has caused a lot of devastation on their home planet, including um, some very harmful events of which their psychic gifts are a side effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the oldest brother, Jasper, is an activist who has dedicated himself to going up against corporations, including Ravel. So the trilogy is their their efforts to stop the corporation from doing more harm while also protecting their family and their planet and their people Mm -hmm. from having this secret uncovered which could bring back their attention and cause even more damage right Um, so there's lots of it's a it's space opera there's lots of um exploration and fun aliens and sentient AIs. And um, I describe it to people as Star Trek meets leverage. Perfect. It's kind of the, the optimism of Star Trek, along with a lot of heists and activism and fun mm-hmm. uh, takedowns of the corporate powers that be. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a set of comps. Like... And um, I should say warp state, warped state, is the first book and dissonant state is the second book and those are both out now um ravenous state either will be out or by the time this airs or will be out within like a few days consider it basically out yeah. at this point <laughs> go run don't walk to your bookseller of choice and uh get all three if you haven't already gotten on this trilogy listeners uh Finally, before we get going, Joe, where can our listeners find you elsewhere? Yeah, in the the current landscape <laughs> of social media, I would say the best way is my email list. 
mm-hmm. which I think there'll be a link to in the show notes. Absolutely um, if you will. sign up, you will get notifications about new releases and also a free prequel story to the trilogy. Um, it's very good, listeners. And um, yeah, that's the most reliable way to hear from me. You can also find me on Blue Sky and occasionally on Instagram and Mastodon. Fantastic. Well, Joe, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you. It has been so much fun to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, next time you have a book out, we'll do this before the third book in the trilogy. (laughs) Yes, it's a deal. Fantastic. Listeners, stick around next month. It's going to be season six. Somehow this show has has gotten a season six as of as of March. Uh, so you know we we've got uh, we will have a lot of amazing guests uh, in April. I know for sure we'll be talking to John Wiswell about his brand new uh, debut novel. So yeah, I'm. I'm that, excited that's on about my that. TBR list. I am I am so excited about that. I actually need to reach out to his publicist and be like, "Hey, can I can I get an arc of this maybe as, as someone who's doing a book tour event?" <laughs> Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com/trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Blue Sky at TrunkCast, and I post at HB Bisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. <laughs> <laughs>